I had looked at that gospel reading, and that's set for today, and uh, it's quite a, a challenging one, isn't it? But actually a lot well, well worth reading again, that's an appropriate strategy. When um, Tim sent me his sheet, he put John's reading on, I thought, gosh, he doesn't want that reading. <laughs> so you're lucky. I'm going to be preaching instead on the Ephesians, which I did have. <laughs> so there we go. But maybe, maybe I'll bring it in somehow. I just wanted to focus on this reading from Ephesians, which is a prayer Paul has at the beginning of his letters. That's his style. He's writing a letter to a real people, real church. And he starts with this prayer. That's what we're going to be thinking of. And it's this prayer that is looking upwards to heaven, looking up to where Jesus is reigning. This is this, this we, we focus on today. Christ the King is reigning, and he's working out his purposes. Because the crucial thing of all history has already happened in that Christ has come, he's died, he's risen, he's ascended now. Death is defeated, all that, and I'm going to go through that in a little bit. And what he's doing now is he's bringing his will to be fulfilled in the whole of creation. Now you may not feel like that. You may not feel like if your bodies are aching or you're looking at the news. But that is the reality, that Christ is drawing all things to himself. In uh, uh, the verse 10, just before, it says that the whole plan from the very beginning was that in the fullness of time, all things will be gathered up in Christ, things in heaven and in earth. That's what he's doing. He says he's praying for us now. You may not think that, but that is what is happening. On the cross, it didn't look like Jesus was defeating sin and defeating death and doing something new. But he was. But one, we are, that's why Paul asks in his prayer for a revelation. So he prays, I pray that God will give you a revelation of what is really happening, of what, where God is, what he's doing. He says you need new eyes. He says, he asks that the eyes of your heart will be opened to see God. He said that you would have wisdom and revelation. And you can't achieve this on your own by really just working hard. It has to come from a revelation of what God is and make it real in your life. So I'm going to give, I'm gonna, I don't know how this is going to work, but I've got a little demonstration for you. Maybe this will help um, with kind of trying to have a kind of different perspective. Because we are very caught up, aren't we, into everyday life. You wake up in the morning and you think of your troubles for that day. And I want to suggest to you that if this string... Uh, represents our life and I'm just going to put a little peg in here see if it will stay on there we go so it suggests that if that is the end of your life the beginning was somewhere at the end here and there's this one peg is the end of your life that doesn't seem very long it might be 80, 90 years feels quite long doesn't it to us but actually I just want to represent it by that. So that's as long as our, as our longest life here. Did you say 80-something years you've lived in Walsworth? There you go. Imagine that short bit is um, there. And I'm going to put here another peg. Because the gospel of why we're here this morning is because at some point we've, we've, uh, we've entered into this new life with Christ. This is not working very well. There we go. Now maybe it was the beginning of your life. Maybe it was in the middle. Or maybe it was right at the end. But somewhere, we said, actually, we want to receive this new life. We talk about it in baptism, don't we? About receiving a new life. 
that the life of heaven suddenly starts coming to us. As we're born of water and the spirit, the whole eternity breaks into our life somewhere. That's our hope. Uh, never mind that. But this is, this is the real point, okay? If this is the life that we concentrate on so enormously, this is the perspective. That's as bad as far I get. This life that we're called to live goes on and on and on and on and on, beyond what we can imagine. That's what I'm praying this morning, that somehow you have this revelation that the life that we're called to, this seems amazing, sometimes long and really hard, but it is nothing at all compared with the life that Christ has for us. And he is reigning in heaven now and calling us into eternity. And he's calling us to start this new life now in this little period here, but it's belonging into there. We spend our whole days, don't we, concentrating on, on this life here, storing ourselves up, riches on heaven and earth, concentrating, worshipping our CV, worshipping our kingdom, <coughs> worshipping our plans. We do, that's what we do. But Paul is praying for a new revelation that we call to eternal life. That's why he's put eternity in our heart. That's why nothing ever quite satisfies us in this life. Because he's called us to eternity. And the promise Jesus has is that he will meet us in this time here and take us through death into this journey. So that when we walk through death, we're never going to be alone. So there we go. There's my little demonstration. I'll have to I'll tidy that up later. And he says, what is the purpose of this revelation? Why does he want us to have that revelation now? He says three things. Firstly, he says, so that you'll know the hope to which you're called. So that now you'll begin to be living with hope. Not hope for never, never, but hope now. Hope not the kind of, oh, I put a lottery ticket in and hopefully I'll win it. I won't do because the statistics are against me and I'll never do it. More likely to... They're more likely to go to hospital this week with a fridge-related incident rather than winning the lottery. So don't, don't, don't do that. The hope is a sure hope. Hope. This hope that he gives us is trust. It's a, it's a certain thing. I put my hope in something I believe in. I'm, I've staked all, all that I have on it. And my, my hope is that I will be raised from the dead, that I will pass through death to life because Jesus is the resurrected one. If Jesus has gone through death and is resurrected, it is now that everything, the rules of the game have changed. Nobody was resurrected from the dead before Jesus. That's the hope. My certain hope, I bank everything on it, is that this Jesus who was risen from the dead will also raise me. That's my hope that starts now, not in the never, never. I don't need the hope when all is revealed. I need it now. So, so the purpose is what? That you would know hope. Secondly, he says that you'll know the riches of the glorious inheritance among the saints. We're the saints. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It just means we've been made holy and we're called. This glorious inheritance. So we've got an inheritance that's coming. We get the down payment now, but it's coming. Elon Musk, apparently is the richest man now in the world. Somebody had said to him, oh, I wish I was you, or I wish I had your brain, or I wish I had something like that. He said, no, you don't. He might have all the jets and control so much in the world, but he's a tortured soul. He said, you don't want to swap being with me for anything. So the riches 
that Paul is asking for us to have our hearts and minds um, to understand is not about that kind of riches. It's about something that's going to last through those pegs all the way into eternity. It's about grace and forgiveness, of healing, of freedom, of joy, of peace that the world can't give. Riches are going to last for heaven. Jesus says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. It's not that we're not meant to have a thirst for treasure, but put it in the right place. Because it's not that all the rest is going to go. Starting now and carrying on for eternity. And thirdly, the hope, riches, that's what he wants a revelation for this world, not just, not just in the never-never. And also power. He says immeasurable power, greatness of the power for us who believe. And he says this power is the same as the great power that resurrected Jesus. So power is what he wants to supply. Because we cannot live this life on our own. Because so many things crush us. So many things knock us off. We're all having storms in our life. You cannot get through this life without storms. But Jesus brings us power. We have power by his Holy Spirit to start living now. How can we begin to forgive? Only by his power. Because we don't naturally. How do we begin to let go of trying to be in control of our life? Only by his power. My question is, have you experienced already this hope, these riches, this power? That's Paul's prayer. That's my prayer for us this morning. That we begin to experience it. Somebody once said that if you are um, overburdened by the outlook of the world, but the outlook is bad, try the uplook. <laughs> try the uplook. We need a fresh revelation of who Christ is and where he is. Verse 22 at the end, it says, he's put all things under his feet and he's made Jesus the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fulfills all in all. The end of the story is that self-giving love wins. That's the story of the cross. On the cross, the one who was overcome with violence by the great imperial power of Rome and by the religious authorities was ridiculed and shamed and put on the cross. But in fact, the one who gave up everything was the one who is now reigning. Self-giving love is what rules into eternity along that bit. In this bit we see here, we see tyrants ruling, we see them dominating. We, we run by an economy and by a way of life and a way of the world that says survival of the fittest. In fact, we teach it in our schools that in every area of life, of science, of biology, and all the rest of it, that survival of the fittest. Be the fittest and you will win. And Paul prays that you have your eyes opened and wisdom to know that it is self-giving love that rules. That is what's going through eternity. So when all things are brought in fullness under the feet of Jesus, all of this tyrant and selfishness and this pride and this greed and this murderous um, sorrow and sighing and, and all this will pass away. There will be no space for this in the new heaven and earth that Jesus is going to be bringing. So if you're banking on survival of the fittest, you're onto a loser. Not only will you go to, through death, but they won't be there because God is going to get the hell out of this earth. I don't know if you thought that heaven is far away and you're travelling on this journey on this earth. 
and that you do a bit of good and a bit of bad, you go above the line and below the line, and one day it will divide between heaven and hell. That's, I think, what people think Christians believe, but that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that heaven and earth were created to, by God. It was before heaven. God isn't heaven. God created heaven. He created earth. And the two were together at the beginning of the story, weren't they? And God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. And that is how he wanted to be and made to be. But sin and the fall breaks that up. And they were kept separate. That's the story of the Bible. And Jesus, the big rescue mission is that he come. But God, Jesus is the one from heaven and the one from earth. He is the, he is the son of man, the son of God. He brings, he's the one who comes from above. That's the gospel story. He comes and he says heaven is breaking out. Wherever he goes, people are healed. Uh, he even raises the dead. He transforms people. Evil spirits are cast out. Heaven comes into earth. It begins to overlap. What was only just for people in the temple, where the Holy of Holies now is in the person of Jesus. Jesus came bringing heaven to earth. And the final plan, when he brings it under all things, is that heaven and earth will be fully together. But the hell, the sin, the destruction we have, will be cast and extruded out. But God will be dwelling forever with us and creation will be renewed. Isn't that the glorious thing? Is that some vision? Did you catch that this morning? So when the outlook is bad, but the uplook of God is redeeming all things in his creation and he's bringing heaven and earth together in Christ Jesus. And this is what is available us this morning and this is what we participate today as a foretaste that we want this is the beginning of what is going to be fully revealed there we go that was a lot for a sunday morning you weren't expecting that there we go